Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. going to go right into the Word. If you have a seat, we're just going to go right into it. No announcements, any of that stuff. Um, when you're in the presence, you just stay there. And so that's what we want to do today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Also, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 4 today. So a little bit of uh, imagery we're going to be reading today. We are in the middle of a series started last week. The new series is entitled Set Apart because God has called to set us apart. He wants to set us apart. He wants to make us holy. And our main passage for the whole thing is out of First Peter, if you can go pull that up for me, Brian, so everybody can read it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 16. Peter writes to the church, and he's reminding the church of who they are, that God has created them. He has made them holy and to stay holy. And so he writes this to the church. He says, so prepare your minds, church, for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Put all of your hope in Christ Jesus. So you must live. Here's the, here's the command. You must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't uh, yeah, slip back in your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And so our, our, our goal, our whole idea of this series coming up through November is that we learn to be set apart, that we learn to live up to what God has done for us. If you're a believer today, you're holy. Maybe you never you don't see yourself as holy. Maybe you don't see yourself as, as clean and right in his sight. But if you've given your life to Jesus and you've accepted his work on the cross and you call him Lord, you are holy. And Peter is telling us to remain holy, to stay holy, to don't go back. Don't go back to the old way of living. Don't slip back into the old patterns of life. He's saying, prepare your minds, get ready, be prepared to live this thing out. And so we're, we're hoping that as we walk into this series, we learn how to be prepared to live this thing out, that, this thing called holiness. And last week we started about, we had to learn about God's holiness. So, because if we were supposed to be holy as God is holy, we need to realize God's holiness. And so last week we really dived into the set apartness of God. Like there is no one like him. He is the creator of heaven and earth. There is no one like him. He is so above us. And today we're going to look at the second aspect of God's holiness, which is his purity, his righteousness, and his incorruptible nature. When's the last time you really thought about God's presence or God's glory? I mean, really thought about it. We're going to read in scripture today a couple of instances where people met with God in a powerful way and it changed their life. It's beautiful imagery. And when you think of God, what do you think of? Do you think of an old man in a beard sitting on a throne? 
<laughs> Do you think of what uh, you know, maybe Michelangelo painted in the, you know, in the chapels? What is your imagery of God? And today I want to open up scripture to you and maybe give you a better view of who God is and what he's and, and his real nature. And maybe it should bring an awe to your heart. That is my prayer, that it brings an awe to your heart, that you stand in wonder, like we just sang, awestruck wonder of his glory today. You know, I think a lot of believers, we fall back because Peter was saying, don't fall back. We fall back. And it's not because we don't love God. It's not because we don't, we don't want to serve God. I think we fall back and we fall back in old patterns and old sin, sinful lifestyles because we, we lose our awe of God. We lose our fear of God. We don't realize who God is. God is love, yes. God is great, yes. God is mercy. He is full of kindness. But he's also what we call a consuming fire. God is all powerful. He has love in his eyes. But if you look deep enough, there's fire in his eyes. That is my God. He is, as, as I'm not going to go there. He is good in all things. But he's also righteous in all things. And so we can't dismiss the two. God is holy. And because he's holy, he's all these things, like I talked about last week, in perfection. So we're going to read in Isaiah his call, but also this experience he has with the living God. And I'm telling you, if you've ever had an experience with the living God, it changes you. If you've ever had a moment like this, maybe not as crazy as these moments, but if you've ever even just hinted at the glory of God, like you've met him maybe in worship or prayer, or, or maybe you've met him out in nature and, and, and you, you just, you're in awe of him. The only response you have is, God, you are so good. You're so holy. You're so holy. There's nothing like you, God. I just want to stay in this moment forever. And, and unfortunately you don't. <laughs> he moves you out, but he shows you, he gives you a glimpse of his glory. And so we're going to get a glimpse of it today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter six. We're going to be in verse one. We're going to read this encounter that Isaiah has with the living God. And then we're going to break that down and maybe learn something about what happens when we come into the presence of God. So it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. This is Isaiah writing this. He was sitting on a lofty throne and on the train of his robe filled the temple. Just the train of his robe. Just a little bit of his garment. And extending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glories. glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with burning coal. He had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and he said, see this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we open this word, God, that our hearts would be like Isaiah's, that we would realize that we are not like you. God, that we would turn. And when you, we come into the presence of your glory and your holiness, when we catch a glimpse of your holiness, God, that we find everything in our hearts that is not holy, God, and we kick it out and remove it. Father God, I pray that you'd purify us, that you would cleanse us. And God, I pray that, that you would call us 
just like you called Isaiah. God, you put your purposes in our hearts, and God, let us walk those out in Jesus' name. Amen. Then we go to Revelation. We see a similar encounter that John the Revelator has with God. John opens up Revelation, and he's talking to the churches. Then he gets to this moment, and he's, he's brought into the very presence of God, and he explains, and he, kind of, he tries to write down what he saw as best he could. It's really unexplainable. And so we're going to read chapter 4 together. It says, Then I looked, and I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I heard before said to me like a trumpet, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald encircled his throne like a rainbow. We just sang that song, clothed in rainbow, clothed in living color, beautiful. And then 24 elders surrounded him and 24 elders sat on, uh, and 24, 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. Then they were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. What is that? Tells you in the next verse. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like a lion in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings. And their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day, night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who was, the one who is, and who is still to come. And whenever the living beings give glory and honor to thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, I don't have the rest of that. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you. What a scene. What a scene. When you think of God, is that what you think? Could you imagine being in that place? Maybe being in Isaiah, Isaiah's Isaiah is, is kind of strange, kind of weird. You have these seraphim, also known as the burning ones. That's what seraphim means, is burning ones. And, they, and they're circling and they're, they're screaming, holy, holy, holy. They're shouting and it's shaking the temple. And then you get to heaven. You get to heaven and you see this scene, God sitting on the throne and these creatures with eyes all over them are circling him saying, holy, holy, holy. Christians talked about this a couple times in worship. It's like these, these creatures have eyes, 360 view. They have a 360 camera. You ever have seen one of those? You can kind of see everything all at once. It's like they're seeing everything all at once and they never get to the end of God's holiness. It's like every view, every angle, everywhere they look, all they see is God's holiness. And their only response is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, who was, who is, and is, is, is here to come. It's like they're seeing everything all at once, past present and future. What did he say? The one who, is, who was, who is, and is to come. The thing about what they're saying is God is holy all the time. He's holy in the past. He's holy now. And he's holy in the future. And that tells me that I can trust him. 
that he never changes. That's the holiness of God. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. He, he, he doesn't all of a sudden say he's done with you. God is holy. And so I can trust what he says. He's holy now and he's holy in the future. He's going to be there for you in the future. So many of us think that, oh, God, you're good now. You're good in the past, but I don't know, God. I don't know if you're going to be good in the future. I don't know. This kind of seems pretty big. He's the same God today as he was yesterday and forever. And this is what these creatures are saying. They're saying, holy, holy, holy. Notice what they're not saying. Good, 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 God. That's what we say, right? God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. God, you're so loving. You're so loving. You're so loving. But what they're saying, to God, is you're so holy. You're so holy. You're so holy. See, it's the holiness of God that wraps all that together. And it's his holiness that draws men to get to know him. It's his holiness that gets people's attention. His goodness is amazing, and, but that's just one facet of his holiness. God is holy. He is not like us. We talked about that this week. But when you come face to face with his holiness, your only response is like these elders. You cast your crowns off. You lay at his feet and you say, you are worthy, God. You are worthy. You are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of my life. There's only one response when you come into contact with a holy God. And that is to say, holy. We see this with Isaiah. His response was the same. He's standing in there and these seraphim are flying around. And he gets to this point and he's like, and he's standing there and he's seeing this and he's wondering what, uh, what's happening. <laughs> like, I know you call me to go to these people and you call me to serve them. You call me to be your prophet. And now you're standing here and he's, he's in awe of what he's seeing. And his response is the only response that we should have. And it's the only response that we should have and I've had. I don't know if you've ever had a moment with God, like a holy moment with him in his presence. Maybe you've never had that. And I want to tell you, seek after it. Seek after it. Say, God, I want a glimpse of your glory. I want to see you, God. I want to see who you are. But as we know in scripture, you'll never see all of him fully. It's like he just gives us little bits and pieces of his glory. And even that is more than we can handle. Think about these seraphim. They're flying and they're, they got wings over their eyes. They have wings over their feet and they're flying and they're, they're shouting, holy, holy, holy. It's like they're saying, Lord, I can't look upon you. Even though I'm this created being, the celestial being, I cannot look upon your glory. I'm not worthy of seeing your glory. And theologians believe that they had their feet covered as an act of humility. You can only come to the king in humility. You can't come to the king pious and puffed up. You can only walk into the king with humility. You come in any other way, you're a dead man. And so these angels, these seraphim understand this. You see this in heaven. Everybody's in awe of who God is. Are you in awe of who God is? Is your response the same as these angels, the same as these creatures, the same as these elders, the same as John? Our response should be the same. It's a response of the heart. That's what happens when we meet with God. Maybe it's been a while since you've had an encounter with the Lord. Maybe it's a youth camp. Maybe you're 40 years old now, 50 years old. Like, man, I haven't had an encounter like that since I was 13 years old. And I was at youth camp and God just met me so powerfully. And I couldn't believe that, that he was there. And it was so real. It was so tangible. 
Maybe it was this morning in worship. Maybe God met with you. You knew he was there. His presence was so thick. It changed you. There's something about his presence that brands us. The first time I ever encountered God in this way was here in this church. And it was, it was a moment I'll never forget because in that moment, it's like I felt all of his love, all of his kindness, all of his gentleness, but I also felt his holiness, his righteousness. In that moment, I knew that I was a sinner. In that moment, I knew I wasn't right in his sight. I, did, I wasn't worthy to be in his presence. But in that moment, even though I couldn't escape, it's like his goodness was holding me captive. And he was saying, I've got you. I don't care about all that. I just want you in my presence. And it was an amazing moment in my life. It was a, a life-changing moment in my life. The only response I had in that was, God, whatever you want, God, holy, 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 God, whatever you want, God, I'll do. I have no idea what that was. If I knew I was going to be a pastor one day, I maybe just <laughs> said some different things. But that's your response. God, you are holy. You're the king. Give me the orders. Whatever you want, I want to serve you. Because your presence is all I want. Your presence is all I seek after. Your, his presence changes our lives. It's the glory and the holiness of God that moves in us. But like I said, you only get a taste. You only get a glimpse. You only get like that much of that in those moments. Because we read in Exodus where, where Moses is about to lead the people into the promised land. Well, he thinks he is. But he's about to move the people into the promised land. They're about to go in there. And he's like, Lord, if we're going, you got to go with us. You've been telling me you're going to send an angel. You're going to send somebody ahead of us. But Lord, I want you. I don't want an angel. I don't want anything else. I want you to go before us. Because he says, that's what sets us apart. This is a whole nother message. You can hold on to that, put a pen in, it's coming. This is a whole nother thing. What sets us apart? It's the presence of God. He says, if your presence doesn't go with us, what's to set us apart? Who's to say we're any different than anyone else? And Moses says, God, I want to know. How do I know that you're going to go with me? And Moses says, I want to see you. I want to see your glory, God. Show me your glory. Show me who you are. Show me. Give me a glimpse of who you are, God. That way I can walk in confidence. And God, being so gracious, he, he says this in verse 19. The Lord replied, okay, Moses, I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. I'm going to grant your request. Isn't that amazing? And he says, I'm going to make my goodness or my holiness pass before you. And I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose but you may not look directly at my face for no one may see me and live. See Raiders of the Lost Ark? I think of that. They open the ark, their faces melt. That's kind of what I, that's what I think. It's like if you got any kind of glimpse of God's goodness, your face would melt. Like you would just crumble to the ground and you would die. You can't handle his goodness. Could you imagine having so much goodness on you, you just die? You know, you, you hear people say, I'm so excited I could die. Maybe this is what it is. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have went that far. But this is, <laughs> Moses is like, I want to see your glory. And God's like, man, you can't see it all. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a glimpse. I'm going to, I'm going to let you see it. And so this is what happens. Look, stand near me on this rock and my glorious presence will pass by and I will hide you in the crevice 
of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. It's like he's going to pass by. He's like, okay, Moses, don't look because you're going to die. Don't look, don't look. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. God only allows Moses to see the vapor trail of his goodness. Just the the breeze of his goodness. And a Moses sees his glory. And maybe today, that's what you need. I was just praying this during that song, Revelation. I'm like, God, let them just see a hymn of your goodness, a hymn of your glory that would change their hearts forever, that they would burn for you, God, that they would say that my faith is something that I want to hold on to. I don't want to slip back. I don't want to go back, God, because I want your presence with me always. God, how can I go on without your presence? And it's in the presence of God where we're cleansed, where he brings us in and he sets us apart. We see this in Isaiah. This is what the Lord does. And so we're going to pick this up in verse 5 of Isaiah's call. Isaiah seeing these creatures, seeing the Lord, seeing the train of his robe, the smoke filling the temple, the temple shaking like crazy. And he says this, it's all over, I'm doomed. I'm dead for I have seen the Lord, the God of angel armies. I have seen Jehovah Sabaoth. He says, I have seen him and I'm going to die because why? My lips are filthy. What does he mean by that? He's not saying he's, he's cussing and saying bad words. I mean, that may be part of it. But what he's saying there is his heart is impure. When you read scripture, what does it talk about the heart? It says, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And so when he's saying, look, My lips are filthy, Lord. I come from people of filthy lips. He's saying, our hearts are not pure. I'm standing in your presence. I see your glory. And I know I'm not worthy, God, because my motives are impure. My heart is impure. God, I have bitterness and unforgiveness in here. God, you're going to melt me. You're going to kill me because I am not holy. I am not set apart. I am impure. And maybe today, maybe that's what we need. Sometimes it's that moment. I'm telling you, even that moment of salvation for many of you, when you stand up and you said the prayer and you came to the altar, I don't know where you're at when you gave your life to Jesus, but it was a moment like that. We stood, God's glory was there. Maybe you didn't recognize it that moment, but it convicted your heart. And your heart cried, God, I need you. I am not like you. I am not worthy to be here. God, I am of unclean lips. My heart is not pure. I need a savior. And Jesus steps in. Notice what Isaiah does here. Notice what God does actually to Isaiah. So he repents. He realizes he's a sinful man. His people around him are sinful. He realizes that he shouldn't even be there. But God is so merciful because he's holy. So God sends one of these burning ones, these seraphim. And they flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar and a pair, from a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. This is what God does. Scripture says that God is an all-consuming fire. What does it mean? all-consuming. means anything he touches, he purifies. God cannot be defiled. 
And I want to tell you, I don't care how dirty you think you are. I don't care how bad you think you are. I don't care how lost you think you are. God's not going to run away from you. I mean, I think of Jesus. Jesus walked this earth. He touched lepers. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. There was nothing dirty to Jesus. Jesus was not afraid of people's filth. And God is not afraid of your filth because he's an all-consuming fire. And whatever he touches is holy because he is holy. And so maybe this is for somebody in here today, maybe watching online. God sees you. God knows you. He knows the deepest parts of your life. When, when Isaiah stood in the presence of the living God, he said, God, you see every part of me. It's not hidden. How can it be hidden from you? When you get in the presence of God, it's like he has a black light in a dark room. You ever had one of those? When I was a kid, we had one. You think it's clean till you turn the black light on. <laughs> right? Everything that's in the dark, everything that is hidden becomes visible. And when you're in God's presence, everything you think is hidden becomes visible. And, and he draws it out. His light draws it out. And he says, give me that. I want to do something with it. Notice what he does with Isaiah. He goes and he touches the lips of Isaiah and he says, I'm going to purify your lips. I'm going to set you apart. The very thing that Isaiah thought was sinful was the very thing that God used for his kingdom. Isaiah become the mouthpiece, the prophet, one of the, the major prophet of Israel and Judah at that time. He, he wrote, a lot of this. <laughs> he wrote Isaiah. But also, you see in Isaiah's writing the prophecy of Jesus Christ more than anybody else. Come on, we spent months on Isaiah 53. It's Isaiah become the mouthpiece for God. Even though he said, my lips are unclean, my heart is unpure. God, there's no way you can use me. He says, I'm going to make you pure. My holiness is going to be imputed upon you. That's a big word. That means you get some of my goodness. You get some of my holiness. That's what believers are. They have imputed holiness from the Lord. He says, I'm giving you holiness. I'm making you holy. I'm setting you apart. I'm giving you a place. I'm giving you a purpose. And then notice Isaiah's response. It should be a response today. Once your sins are removed, once he's purified you, he calls you. He calls you. And he says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? The same people that had the same problem you had. The same people that had the same issues you had. And Isaiah's response, now pure, now right with God, says, send me. Send me. Send me to those people. I'm going to help them out. Send me to those people. I'm going to tell them my testimony. I'm going to show them who you are. Send me. And that should be our cry today. God, send me. And so I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what God's done in your life, but I'm telling you, he wants to do more. Yes. I'm telling you, his goodness chases after you. I don't care how fast you run. You cannot run God. I've tried and I'm not very fast. God's goodness chases you down. He wants you in his presence. He wants to purify you. He wants to cleanse you. His holiness becomes your holiness. His holiness purifies you. What the Lord touches is holy. If the Lord touches you, you're holy. 
Isn't that a beautiful thought? So let's live up to it as a church. Let's live up to it in our lives. Let's live up to that holiness that God has put in our hearts. Let's not slip back, as Peter says, but let's keep pushing forward, being holy as he is holy, saying, God, you're my number one prize. Nothing on this earth can satisfy. Nothing on this earth can bring me anything I need. God, let me burn for you. Let my heart wake up every day rejoicing in my salvation, God. Let me wake up knowing who I am in you. Let me wake up saying I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the Most High. I can do this, God. You've given me purpose. You've given me life. You've cleansed me. You've made me pure. Let me walk it out. Amen? Amen. So this is what we're going to do. And so I'm going to challenge you. They're going to lead us in this song, Revelation song, one more time. Think about his presence in your life. Think about the words. And you're going to have freedom in here to do whatever you want to do. I know this is kind of scary for some of you. But if you want to come kneel at the altar, if you want to go to the back and pray, if you want to sit in your chair and cry, whatever you want to do, this is your time to meet with God. I pray that you all have a fresh encounter with the living God. Scripture says he inhabits the praises of his people. When you praise, he's present. (laughs) When you pray, he's present. He's always present. We're just not. So we have to enter into that that atmosphere. And so we're going to set it up. You just got to enter it in. So I'm going to challenge you to enter in. So would you stand with me? Let's enter in. Whatever you feel like God wants you to do, do it. Just meet with God. Let him speak to you. Only God can minister to you. You don't need a song. You don't need this guy up here speaking to you. You need the presence of God in your life. That's the only thing that's going to change you. Only thing that's going to change you. So let's seek that out. So Father God, I just invite you into this place. Holy Spirit, would you like Isaiah? God, would you enter this this room? Would you enter our hearts? God, would we just see the garment of your robe in our lives, God, with just a glimpse of your goodness that would change us forever. And so, God, we say holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and is, is to come. God, we give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise because you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Just meet with God.
I sing praise to the 
What's good about his presence is you never have to leave it. You never have to leave it. You can always be in his presence. You can always experience him. You can always be with him. You just got to be, you got to enter in. So I want to challenge you. We have these 21 days of prayer left. We have 14 days. So, so many of you, it's been blessing to me. So many of you have been showing up at seven in the morning to pray. It's been phenomenal. It's been sweet moments with God. I know many of you are praying at home. You're fasting. You're seeking the Lord. But above all else, you have needs you need met. You have things that you got, need God to do. You need miracles. You need God to perform for you. But above all that, seek his presence. Seek his presence. Because in his presence, all those things are found. So seek his presence. Don't, don't just show up with your list of things you need God to do. Just show up and say, God, here I am. God, here I am. Would you meet me today? God, here I am. Can I just sit with you today? God, what do you want to tell me today? So my prayer is that as we finish up these 21 days, a prayer that we're all closer to God, that we all walk in his power, his presence, that, that we see God do miracles he is a miracle working God. So I want to challenge you with that. Keep, keep staying in his presence. Just show up. That's all you got to do. Show up. He'll meet you there every time. Many times I just walk in like, God, here I am. I have no idea what to pray today. I have no idea what to do. I say, God, I'm here. And immediately I know he's there. Immediately his presence comes. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants your presence. So, Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for these people. Thank you for what you've done in them, God. I, I pray that you would continue to work on their hearts, God. I pray for those that have experienced you today, God, that it would brand them, that it would shape them, God, that they would realize that you have cleansed them, you have called them holy, and you have set them apart for your purposes, God. I pray that we walk that out every day. And God, I pray for the people in here today that do not know you, maybe those online who have never given their life to Jesus today, God, that they would say yes to you. And God, that they would want to know you. Maybe they've never felt you before. And in this place, they feel you. They know you are Lord. Lord, my heart is that they would say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you, God. I am a sinner and I need you, Jesus. I want you above everything else I want you. Thank you, Lord, for that. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.